Well, good morning. How about we uh, turn around and say hello to the folks around you. Just go ahead and introduce yourself to your neighbor. Tell them good morning. Ask them if they found LSU's defense yet. You know, my only response to the game last night, especially if you have anybody here at Mass today, if you are from Alabama or you like Alabama, I want you to listen to the word of God. Listen to me. (laughs) Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And our LSU, Tigers, right? We clearly listen to the gospel. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted, right? It's the only way I went to sleep last night, right? I had to go to bed in the middle of the third quarter. I'm like, I'm not mature enough to watch LSU football. I can't do it. I got mass tomorrow morning. And then I realized, wow, it's daylight savings time. So anyway, hopefully you have been um, following along, at least um, uh, perhaps many of you are, are podcast listeners, or if you've been with us the last couple of Sundays, you know, we're telling a story. It's one of my favorite stories. It's the story of Grand Isle. We're going to jump right into the story today. Open up the bulletin with me to page 12. Page 12 in the bulletin. Tell them the story of Grand Isle. Some great, beautiful things in the story of Grand Isle. Uh, you can see at the top of page uh, 12 there, um, I got this from Russell Crosby, may he rest in peace, a resident historian on the island. He said there's five chapters in the story of the island. Those are the chapters at the top of page 12. Um, we're in chapter 3 today as we learn more about the plantations and the resorts. But um, uh, look at page 12, letter A. Grand Isle was once home to plantations and farming. Now, the island was a little bit bigger back then, not much, but there was more acreage on the island than at least according to land surveys in the early 19th century. Uh, But you can see second bullet letter A, there were sugar, cotton, and cucumbers, to name a few, that were grown here on Grand Isle. Uh, Grand Isle used to be predominantly four major plantations on the island, right? You can see there, um, second bullet under letter B, that uh, because of the conditions here on the island, the farmers were usually about two weeks early to the French market. So when the farmers in the New Orleans area or in the River Parishes area, they would bring their vegetables or their crops to the French market, uh, ours were ready about two weeks earlier here on the island. Um, uh, so says the New Orleans Times from uh, the 1860s, right? I don't know if you knew, letter C, all the way at the bottom, that Grand Isle was home of one of the largest cucumber uh, providers in the country. Um, uh, there's a, a little online article that says in the, in the late 1800s that they estimate that one out of every four cucumbers consumed either in the country or at least in the south was grown here in Grand Isle. So I'm not quite sure when you think about Grand Isle if you think of cucumbers or if you think of vegetables, or if you think of farming. Most of us don't. That's part of our history. Flip the page over, page 13. Grand Isle, also from almost its really very beginning, was also a tourist attraction. You can see there, there's an actual excerpt from the New Orleans Times on October 5th, 1866. This is Colonel Harvey. This is the Harvey Canal, right? And so he is advertising in the New Orleans newspaper that you can come to Grand Isle. He says... Colonel Harvey, desirous of giving the public a fair opportunity of tasting the merits of Grand Isle as a watering place, has arranged an excursion trip which enable to have a sniff of salt air without interfering with their business. The steamer Sam Nichols will leave her wharf at the head of Harvey's Canal. Every luxury will be provided. 
for only $7.50. How about that, huh? Right? So back in, back in the day, Grand Isle also it was not only home to four major plantations here on the island, but they also had resorts, right? Uh, just to name a few, a letter E on page 13, right? Uh, Grand Isle had uh, Hotel Herwig, uh, the, the Krantz Hotel, the Grand Isle Hotel, the Ocean Club, and of course we know our beloved Oleander uh, Hotel, which was built in the 30s, right? Uh, don't know if you know, look at letter F, right? The Ocean Club, it had 160 bedrooms, three dining rooms, two bars, a cigar room, and a parlor. And this massive hotel that was built right here on the island, right? So chapter three of the island, right? Chapter three of the story, it's the longest part of our story, spanning from about 1840, a little before that maybe, all the way up to the 1950s, a little prior to that probably. That is the big story of the plantations, the crops, the farming, and the resorts that were already a part of the history of Grand Isle. Now, if you look at that part of our history, it teaches us lots of things. But if you look at that and you look at the history in general, I'm fascinated with the fact that the, the island herself, the personality of the island, has changed over time. I mean, it's one thing to go from cucumber plantations to humble oil. Like, that's a big change, right? And, and so the, 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 the chapters of the island, you go from the pirates right, to sugarcane plantations, right? So in, even in the history of the island, th there is change. And if there's one thing I know, that every one of us will face in life, is facing now, has faced, we're all confronted with life and the reality of change. So what we're going to do today as we continue to talk about the history of the island is we're going to start a four-part conversation. Look at the bottom of page 13. Today I want to talk about just the reality of change. Next week we're going to talk about how does change feel? Then after that we're going to talk about what do we need in change? And then finally we're going to cap it off on Christ the King talking about where is God in the midst of change? Because change is a part of all of our life. Go with me to page 14. Just take a couple of seconds. I want you to look at letter I. That's at the top of page 14. Just go ahead and look at that list. Just take your time in silence right now. Just take two minutes and read at the top of page 14. These are all the changes that somebody might experience in life. Maybe not all of them, but these are just some of them. Just go ahead and take time. Maybe some of those connect to maybe where you are or have been. Change is a part of life. God is a part of life. And, and I think sometimes the secret of finding God is not being able to fr afraid to, to invite him into the reality of our lives. This is real stuff right here. You know, you can see there as you just keep slowly going through the list, there are lots of changes in, in your vocation. Right? Raising kids, not raising kids, empty nest. I think there's the, the reality of midlife for lots of people where you have to confront all the things that didn't happen and most likely won't happen in your life. 
And as you get older and you're looking at the world changing, I don't know any older generation that doesn't feel like the generation under it is changing things. That's been happening forever. That's not anything new. But change is a part of life. It's what we all experience in our life. Change. Now, change is is actually part of the story of the early Christians. In the second reading today, Bill read to us from a letter from St. Paul to the church in Greece, northern Greece, uh, Thessalonians. The city is Thessalonica, right? And, and, and so St. Paul got there in about near 50, about 17 years after Jesus died and rose from the dead, right, and ascended to heaven. St. Paul gets there. He gets to Greece. And he, he spends a couple of years there, and he's laboring, and, and he feels good. He's got about, you know, probably the Christian community back then would have been established if it had 30 to 50 people. Let's call it 40 people that are there in Greece. And they're living differently. Their lives have changed And some of the non-Christians in that area began to get very aggressive. And so as Paul left, he was being persecuted after he left, right? And so he's writing a letter to the people in that Christian community in in northern Greece. That's the second reading today. That's the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. He's writing a letter saying, hey, things have changed. Your lives have changed. The leadership in your community has changed. St. Paul's no longer there. They have a new leader. There are more people joining their small family. Things are changing. The people in Thessalonica, their lives are changing. Relationships are strained. They're being persecuted. There's lots of change happening in that community. That's why St. Paul writes the, the second reading today. Change. Believe it or not, change and Christianity go hand in hand. I once heard that that God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. To be Christian is to be in relationship with a person. Christianity is not a cool set of beliefs. Christianity is not a book, a philosophy. It has elements of ethics and morality. But Christianity is about Jesus. His teachings, which got our life right, and our worldview. But fundamentally, Christianity is about Jesus. Now watch me here. Christianity is not about me as the center of my life using Jesus for some wisdom. Christianity, watch me here, is Jesus. Now watch me. And he's leading. And I'm following. He's in charge, not me. There's a relationship here. And Jesus is always moving. He's taking me deeper. He's asking me to change my my habits, my my sins. I say this with great love. I say it to me first, but I say this because I love you. You cannot grow spiritually without change. 
They, they go hand in hand. Change. It, it's part of the story of the island. Change. It's, it's about life, that list up there. Change. It, it's what the early Christian community had. Change. It's what it means to follow Jesus. Change. Flip the page over with me. Top of page 15. Change is part of life. Some people love change, right? Some people, like, like they're fascinated with change. Uh, there's a creative element to change. Sometimes things are unjust. And for some people, change means justice. They want to change things that are unjust so that we can re- achieve justice. Sometimes change is an escape. We don't like where we are in life, so we want to change things, right, to get away from a place of unhappiness or a situation that's unhealthy. Some people love change. Some people don't like change. Because sometimes change involves a lot of emotions. Look on page 15 at letter M. I'm going to slowly walk through this. Keep your eyes now on letter M. For some, change leads to new, and fear the unknown elicits fear. For some people, change requires letting go, and letting go feels like loss. For some, change is accompanied with grieving, and grieving is deeply personal. Let me stop there for a second. Why is this thing about change so deeply personal to me right now? Because I love the island who has lost 40% of her population since the U.S. Census of 2020 pre-Katrina. Now, I don't know what the island population is now. I'm not getting into that conversation publicly. But I can promise you this, just looking at the federal U.S. Census numbers of 2000, 2010, 2020, the island has lost at least 40% of her population. I didn't grow up here, but many of you people did. There used to be people sitting in the pew here that are no longer sitting in the pew. Some people that used to live on the island, maybe they relocated. Or some people who used to live on the island that used to be part of our community, they're they're no longer here. Maybe some of them are in heaven. Maybe some of them are gone. I I think, I wonder if, if part of what's happening in our island community is that we're just grieving the change of people that we love that are no longer here. That's okay to say, but it's important for us to acknowledge that. Some of us are camp owners. And maybe the dynamics of your camp changed. You inherited Papa's camp and, and Ida or Katrina or the other storms or Lord have mercy, the insurance rates have changed that. See, change, change is a part of relationships. And, and look, like we, sometimes we grieve. And grief can be very personal. That, for some people, leads to resentment. We can resent the fact that things changed in life, in your marriage, in the country, in your own personal dream of what life would be. Sometimes when things change, there can be resentment. And then finally, when when things change, some people don't have anything to hold on to, and so we feel like there's a loss of security. All that's natural. And all that's really influential. And if we don't acknowledge what's happening here in change, it's going to be awfully hard to find him in the midst of the change. Look at letter O. 
we have to make a choice, right? <laughs> we can't pretend change is not a part of life. It is a part of life. Here are three things that we can do with change, right? We are at our best, second bullet on letter O, when we understand the reality of what changed and why it changed. I, I want to know. I'd love to hear how it feels on our island community to see the island changing. I think that's an important thing. I think it's important to understand what, what, like the dynamics of me in, in my family right now. As, as, as our family changes with life and our parents, gosh, I want to know wh- why is all that happening? We're at our best when we have a sense of security in the midst of the insecurity. And we're at our best when we have some help navigating the change. So here's the thing, y'all. Change is a part of life. And when you're going through change and it feels like you're about to step out into something and you got nothing to hold on to. That's when he says, hold on to me. If not, we hold on to structures or, or, or buildings or, 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 or patterns or habits or we used to do it this way or it, it happened this way or I used to be with that person, right? When change happens in life, you can't stop it. We can respond well with him in the midst of it all. Right? As I look at my own relationship with my parents right now and things are changing I can, I can try to stop it no I don't want to go there guess what Jesus is going there and if I want to find Jesus I got to find Jesus in the reality of the change in my life what about you what's changed what's changing what are you, gosh, dealing with? What are you letting go of? Or what are you having to adapt to? As you look in your own heart and in your own life today with the reality of change, how are you doing with that? And over the next couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to have a conversation so that he can guide us in all of the changes of life. I'll close with this. 2,000 years ago, St. Paul wrote a letter to a Christian community that was going through some change. And they persevered through it. God blessed them in the midst of it. And we just read that letter 2,000 years later. No matter what you may be facing in life, no matter what change may be upon you, Let's look to him. Let's find him with us. And let's not be afraid to be with him, even in the midst of change. Amen?